Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. We'll be ready to go from there. Father, now we ask you for the anointing that is in and on the word that you have breathed by your spirit that you will fill and anoint your servant who in and of himself has nothing good. All that we are and have that has value to it has come from you. The flesh profits nothing, but the spirit gives life. And we ask that you would minister today and open our hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, right out of the gates, we started talking about freedom, personal, internal freedom. Galatians 5 says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of the Lord Jesus, by which Christ has made us free. It was a miracle of new life when you received by the grace of God. When the grace of God opened your heart to believe and receive that gift of eternal life, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creature is a new creature. New life has come. You know, why should that surprise us? God is eternal. You know what that means? He didn't have a beginning, so nothing's old with God. You know, one reason, and remember this now, you are not eternal. You're everlasting, but you're not eternal. You know the difference. You're going to last forever because you have been given eternal life from an eternal source. You say, Pastor, you're getting a little deep in here now. You have an eternal God who forever existed, and He has given you, He's imparted His life to you, so you're going to live forever. But you didn't pre-exist. You were born by gift of God's creative grace. You had a beginning. Now, you're not going to have an end. Hallelujah. But you did have a beginning. God didn't have a beginning, and he doesn't have an end. He's eternal. And he has imparted that eternal life to you so that as a part of his being on the inside of you, you're going to live forever. Whoever believeth in him has everlasting life. New life. He's new all the time. He says, Behold, I make all things new. But this new life God, this new life God gives us new seasons. Life is in seasons. Have you noticed that? It's in seasons. Um, In the realm of the Spirit, there is always process. And there's going to be change. Last week, and I'm just going to briefly hit the highlights on this. Last week we saw that in spiritual process, there are at least three different stages of spiritual process. One is preparation. And in that stage of spiritual change of season, let me just put it like this. Everybody wants a new season. We just don't want to go through the process that's involved in a new season. 
Right? But there's always a preparation for a new season. Right now, under the surface of these gray, rainy, cold skies, there is a root system being developed on these massive trees. That is necessary for the new season that comes along about April. You're not going to have April without December and January. Something has got to be going on in that season. For you to go to a new season, you got to go through preparation. And preparation involves agitation. You're not going to go somewhere else till you get dissatisfied with where you are. You're not going to get more revelation of the Lord until you get totally dissatisfied with what you had yesterday. You're not going to reach for tomorrow. So understand that as uncomfortable as agitation is, it gives us the opportunity to go through excavation. Agitation leads to excavation. That means we got to deal with some stuff under the surface in our inner man and deal with it before we get to go into that season that we're expecting and desiring. I don't know about you, but I, I have gone into a deep season of excavation. I am praying every day right now that the Holy Spirit will reveal to me any ground in my inner man that has not been taken under the Lordship of Jesus. Any ground in my inner man, in my thinking, in my speaking, in my choosing, in my desiring, in my motives, I've asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me any ground that hasn't been under the surrender of the Lordship of Jesus. I don't always like what I hear. Y'all like every answer you get in prayer? But you see, without agitation and without excavation, you're not going to go into the next season there, and uh, you sure won't get to expectation. So what are, we to, what are we to do here in the beginning of this year? We're to say, oh, Holy Spirit, show me those areas, attitudes, motives, action. Show me those areas that are not under the control and lordship of Jesus, and I will, as an act of my will, bring them there. And, uh, you know, it might be things like anxiety. It may be things like fear, anger, bitterness, addictions, self-absorption. <laughs> it might be outbursts of anger. Whatever it is, show it to You know, this week, and this is an ongoing process. You're not going to do this once and for all. You're not going to have, you're not going to go before the Lord and have an excavation of some of these attitudes and thoughts and actions, and uh, it'll be forever and ever okay. Because they're going to keep on cropping up as long as you have skin on. And if you don't have skin on, you can't legally live on this earth. You know that, don't you? This week, boy, I got some news that I didn't want to hear. Woo-wee. And uh, it punched me right in the gut. Gee, Lord. I was up here at the office, and thank God I was by myself. 
Nobody needed to be around me right then. Y'all don't have little moments like that, do you? I can tell. You're like, this is my pastor and he's going through all this. Woo-wee. That was not good news. I said to the Lord, what do I need to get? What, what, what do I need to get here? And the Holy Spirit began to show me through this bad news is going to put a challenge on me. A, the, the, the Holy Spirit said, um, to whom does this situation belong? Who owns this property? I said, well, that would be you, sir. You're the owner, and uh, I'm just the managing agent. Okay, we got that. Uh, so if that's the case, uh, who have I sent to be the next owner? That is to take your place as the managing agent, I should say. Well, it appears that so-and-so, such-and-such. Well, who sent them? Well, that, that would be you, sir. And to whom belongs the proceeds of the sale of that property? Well, once again, that would be you, sir. I don't own anything. Y'all know that, don't you? You're a steward. You're not an owner. If you're trying to act like an owner, you better stay up at night and go through all kind of anxiety, and, that, and that'll probably kill you. Amen? So what I had to come to is a little excavation. And the Lord led me back to Philippians 4, which he corrects me with all the time, verses 4 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So I guess I'm trying to handle something that I have no authority to handle. That would be right. What am I trying to tell you? You're going to have to go through some process of correction in your thinking, in your motives, in, and, you, and it's ongoing. But it's part of coming into a new season of God's blessing. You know what I found out? I found out that as I began to give the Lord, if I, as I begin to recognize his lordship over that situation, that I begin to have a peace that passed all understanding. It didn't make any sense in the natural realm, Joe. None. None. But I had a peace that passes all understanding that was given to me by the Holy Spirit that there was no other explanation for. And what I found out was when I recognized whose responsibility it was and what my responsibility was and that I was on ground that didn't belong to me. If you're worried and anxious and fearful, you're trying to control ground that does not belong to you. You can't even change yourself. Why would you try to be changing everybody else? Amen? In everything, by prayer and supplication, Mike, 
Let your requests be made known unto God. Refusing to be anxious about anything. Excavation. And then, as I told you, I had to do some implantation. I had to take the Word of God and plant it into the situation. This is your, all that I am and have is yours. I will be anxious for nothing. You've got to implant the Word where there is that issue of things that need to be dug up in your inner man. And then you can have expectation. Now, we spent a lot of time with this last Sunday. Please get the tape of how we went to Abraham, who was promised from God that he would be the father of many nations. And he just, I mean, he was 99, and he still hadn't seen it come to pass. His wife was 90, and she could not bear a child. She was barren. And we talked about in hope against hope he believed. In order that he might become. You believe in order to become. You don't become in order to believe. He believed what? The promise of God. The promise of God that he had received 24 years beforehand at 75 had not come into pass when he was 99. So I want to say this to some of you who've been waiting to see the manifestation of the promise. Do what Abraham did. In spiritual hope against natural hope, choose to believe. And then what did he do? Without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body as good as dead. I bet what you're believing God for, you can't make happen. Right? His own body, he was as good as dead in the deadness of Sarah's body. And yet, with regard to the promise of God, he did not shrink back in unbelief. How? But gave glory to God. He stayed in an attitude of worship and praise. He believed and spoke the word of God. Do you know that before he ever saw the promise come to pass, you know what he did? This guy was a magnificently blessed man who had employees by the hundreds. Do you know one day before he ever had Isaac, he had a meeting, and he said, I want to tell you all something. I've met with Yahweh, and he's changed my name. From now on, I don't want y'all to call me Abraham anymore. I want y'all to call me Abraham. In the Hebrew, you know what that meant? Father of nations. Can you imagine what they must have thought about him? Well, let me see. Let me see if I got this straight. This man is 99 years old. His wife is 90. And God has said no deal every time uh, that they wanted to have a baby. (laughs) And he wants us to start calling Abraham father. He wants us to start calling him father of nations. Has the man lost his mind? Can I tell you something? There are certain things God's going to tell you if you choose to believe it and you choose to continue to give him glory and you choose to believe to stand on it. They're going to be those who think you've lost it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what you ought to do is what Jesus did. He didn't tell everybody everything he knew. You know, there's some people you just don't say anything to. Because they can't receive it. 
They don't walk your job. They can't receive it. The Lord told me one time that one reason why you shouldn't tell everybody everything you know is because when you tell somebody the truth and they understand it, they then become responsible for the truth they know and understand. And sometimes Jesus was giving them grace by not telling them everything he knew because he knew they couldn't receive it. Wow, that's a deepie. So I want you now to look at your Philippians passage as we look at, at our Apostle Paul. And he was going through chapter 3 talking about things that he was in the natural. That is all of the accolades that should have given him the right to be Mr. Wonderful in the realm of religion. He talks about how he was a Pharisee. He, he talked about, and by the way, Pharisees had to memorize every word of the Old Testament that is from Genesis through Deuteronomy. That was the law. He talked about how he was righteous in the, in the uh, performing of all. Can you, you ever read the book of Leviticus? That is not where you try your uh, morning devotionals most of the time, Right? If you read about all those ceremonial cleansing laws about pots and pans and not washing things together and not eating this on this day or this, you ever read all that? When you read Philippians 3, you say, Paul says, I was blameless in all things of the law. You talk about a guy that was shackled by the law. And yet nobody could bring him up and say, I saw him, he messed up, he ate this food on this day, he didn't wash this plate this way. Woo! Read all those laws sometimes. Paul said, I was blameless with all those. But he said, I didn't have real true righteousness because that righteousness comes by faith through Jesus Christ. But I want you to see what he says there in verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, why would I want that? Look back up in verse 9. That I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. But I want you to see something here in verse 12. Paul says, with all of that, blameless in the things of the law, I have, not that I have already attained to verse 12. Now hold on just a minute. Do you know that Philippians is one of the last letters written by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, and he wrote at least 12 and probably 13 of the New Testament. So you need to understand that what he's saying here is, I hadn't already attained, I am not already perfected, I press on. Mike Tribble and I saw some, some incredible athletes yesterday up close and personal, right Mike? And when they started doing something calling, called pressing, whew, Archie, it was absolutely amazing. All out 
effort. All-out effort. So what Paul's saying here is, I am exerting all-out internal effort for this. Here's my question to me and to you. Are we exerting all-out internal effort to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings? That I may know Him. So here's what we need to ask ourselves here at the beginning of this year. What am I really pressing for? Am I pressing to know Jesus more intimately or not? Notice he says in verse 13, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now I want you to notice three things here. I want you to notice the word forgetting, reaching, and pressing. Forgetting those things which are behind. You want to go to a new season spiritually? There are some things you've got to forget. What did Paul just said? I had a righteousness, a self-righteousness that came through my religious outward obedience to the law. Have you come to that point in your life to where you recognize that what the Bible says is true? All your righteousness apart from Jesus is as filthy rags. Would you admit that? Could you say what Jesus said? Apart from him, you can do nothing. See, until you get to that point, do you recognize you're totally dependent? Listen, freedom in the realm of the Spirit is not independence. Freedom is just the opposite. Freedom in the realm of the Spirit is total dependence on the one who makes you free. What a promise. Forgetting those things. So Paul had to say, those things that were, that were promotions for me and that everybody thought I was wonderful, those things, he said, I had to forget those things because they didn't do anything as far as my relationship with Jesus. But notice this, he also had to forget some of his massive failures. At one point in the scriptures, Paul said this, I am the least of the least of the apostles because... I persecuted the church of God. Did you know that Paul was the one, the Pharisee, who gave consent to the murder of the first deacon in the early church, Stephen? How would you like to live with that? He's the one that put his stamp of approval on it. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. For us to move on, we've got to come before the Lord and say, God, anything that I think that is making me Mr. Wonderful, then I, I repent of that. You and you alone and your righteousness is all that makes me approve before you. But I also want to forget those things that I have messed up on in the past. You know, what does it mean to forget? Does it mean that every memory will be erased from your physical brain? No. What he's talking about is this. To forget in the spiritual realm means that it is removed from the forefront. Let me say that again. It means to be removed from the forefront. Here's my question to you. Every time you're about to make progress in the knowledge of Jesus, are you constantly reminded about mistakes you've made, sins you've committed in the past? Have you brought them before the Lord, the, 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 the high priest of heaven, and said, thank you, Father, for that shed blood on my behalf, 
that according to your word that you have given me your righteousness. You have called me holy and righteous and blameless and forgiven and loved and accepted. And in Christ Jesus, I receive and I declare who I am in Christ. To forget those things, to remove from the forefront, forefront those things that cause us shame and hinder us, hold us back. Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget those things which lie behind, good things and bad things. And by the way, I love the mighty wonderful book of Hebrews chapter 10 that says by the blood of the new covenant that God, Jesus has not only forgiven our sins, but he has forgotten them. Oh, man. So why do you keep bringing up your past sins to the Lord for that you've already confessed? When God says that your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. Amen. Forgetting. Then he says, reaching forward to those things which lie ahead. Oh, one of my favorite characters in all the Bible is Caleb. When the Lord said to Joshua after the death of Moses, I want you to lead these people into the land of Canaan, the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my highest and best, Joshua and Caleb believed that promise. And when God said, look, I'm going to go before you, with you, and behind you. you. You keep my word in your heart and in your mouth, and I will be with you wherever you go. This land is yours. They went out there, and they brought back a report. Two out of the 12 spies and said, this is, we ought to go immediately. We ought to go today and get this land. It's ours. And the other 10 said, uh-uh. No, too many enemies. Can't be done. And the multitudes, of course, believed the report of unbelief. And Joshua and Caleb begged them not to do that. They did it anyway. And for 40 years, the children of Israel wandered around in unbelief until that first generation died off in the wilderness. Forty years later, God used Joshua and Caleb to lead them on the verge of the land. They walked through the walls of Jericho. They saw great and mighty miracles. They possessed the land little by little. Then it came time for the land to be divided among the 12 tribes of Israel. Caleb stood before Joshua and he said, don't forget don't forget that on the day our Father promised us this land, I totally believed God. I totally obeyed Him. And He said, that was 45 years ago. You've been waiting on a promise? 45 years ago, I believed and obeyed God. And He said, here I am today. Listen. Here I am today at 85. And he said, I am just as full of energy and strength today as I was at 40. You believe that, Bill? He said, I've got as much vigor and energy today as I did back then. And then he said this. Therefore, give me this mountain that God said was mine 45 years ago. What has God told you is yours? 
If you wander around like everybody else and forget it, you're going to die the death they died. But remember, your God is eternal. He don't go back on His Word. And He will give you His own energy. He will give you His own energy. You say, Pastor, was He really just as strong at 85 as He was at 40? I don't know. He believed it. And you know what? It came to pass the way he said it would be because he took that mountain. That wasn't just wishful thinking. He took that mountain. And you know what was in that mountain? Somebody called the Anakim. The Anakim was a, was a genetic group of massive giants. Goliath of Gath, whom David slew, was a member of the Anakim, sons of Anak. And according to the scriptures, when you measure out how tall the Bible says he was, he was over nine feet tall. That's a big dude, Edric. I bet you didn't play against anybody that big. Right, Archie? That's a big dude. You know what? Caleb said, I want where the giants are. I'm only 85. <laughs> Let me ask you something. What on the inside of you, in my spirit, energizes you and causes you to keep reaching? He said, I'm still reaching. I'm going to forget what's behind, and I'm going to reach forward to that mountain out there ahead of me. What does God want you to reach for? Ask the Lord, what am I reaching for, God? Have I just gotten to a point that I'm so weary, I'm so comfortable that I don't think about anything but maintaining my own comfort? Or maybe I'm so weary, the only thing I can think about is getting through the night and going through one more day. God's grace is bigger than that. It's time to reach for something out there. To call for it. And to believe that whatever he's promised you can have, he will bring to pass. And then he says, I am forgetting those things which lie behind. I'm reaching to those things which lie ahead. And therefore I press, I press. I exert all the energy I have I press forward to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus lay hold of that, laid hold of me. What was that? What did, what did he mean by that? I'm pressing to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Well, you know, there are all kind of assignments that the Lord has that only you can fulfill. But it's not nearly as much what he wants you to do as who he wants you to become. Because you see, Jesus laid hold of you for this reason. I love Romans 8, 29. Whom he did set a predetermined destination, he, what? Conformed to the image of his son. 
That's what Paul said he was pressing for. I, I am pressing to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. Now see, don't let that just be theoretical because that's what the Holy Spirit is doing day by day. That's my next teaching. The Holy Spirit is working in you to transform you into the image and likeness of Jesus. Well, why would he be doing that? Is it to clone people? Absolutely not. God doesn't matter. There are no duplicates with the Father. He's a mighty, creative God. He don't want to make you like somebody else. He wants to make you like who he has created you in Christ Jesus to be. So, what happens as I am more and more transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus? Why would God want that as his goal? Do you not understand that the scriptures say that the Father has given all things into the hand of Jesus? So the more we're transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, the more we receive and walk in the authority on the, in the earth that has been granted to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the outpouring of the love of God in personification. So the more we're transformed into the image of Jesus, the more the revelation of the love of God is poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Love and authority. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. You want some more wisdom? It's personified in Jesus. So what I'm trying to tell you is, as the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus, it's all for His glory and our benefit. Every bit of it. What a good God. So He said, I'm going to forget where I used to be, my failures, my disappointments, and even my victories, and I'm going to reach for what's ahead of me. And I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Forgetting, reaching, pressing. Hallelujah. May God give us revelation of His holy and mighty Word. Are you relentless? You say, Pastor, I'm so tired. I know it. We all get that way. But it, you know what? The Bible says that we, our inner man, although our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. So regardless of the fatigue of my own body, I can get in the realm of the Spirit. I can connect with the Lord of life and be re-energized in my inner man. Hallelujah. God grant it and give us revelation of it in Jesus' name. Let's all bow our heads, please. I hope that this message of freedom is touching you. The Lord wants us to live internally free. So let's ask the Lord right now, Holy Spirit, reveal to me and my inner man where I'm not free. Reveal to me where I'm holding on to things, where I am on ground that belongs to your Lordship in my thinking, my motives, my desires, my choices. Reveal to me, God, and 
Once the Lord does that, agree with Him. You're right, Lord. And ask Him if He's got a word for you that will not only be corrective, but it will be, oh, it will be restoring. It'll correct and it'll restore. Like I explained to you this week, my own little example of anxiety and my own correction. The Lord loves you. Even His correction is out of love. And would you say to the Lord, not only do I want to hear where I need to repent, but I want you to know I want to go on. I, I don't want to be stuck in this place of the past or anger or fear, whatever it is. I believe that you'll give me a new season and I'm willing to go through excavation and implant the word so that I can get to expectation and know that you're going to bring me from expectation to manifestation. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to forget those things which lie behind and I want to reach for that which is ahead. Thank you, you're not done with me. This is just the beginning today. I want to reach for those things that are ahead of me and I actually want to do more than reach. I want to press. I want to press into more of the knowledge of Jesus, my Lord, and conformity to the Minister the freedom that is in Christ Jesus, in our inner man. We may live and walk out of that wonderful place that you've bought for us with your own blood. May your word go forth and do its mighty work. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm asking the Lord for a new start, a new season. I'm ready to go you to just stand right where you are. I want, a, I want new revelation. I want to go forward. Thank you. A new start, a new season. Just give the Lord praise and thanksgiving. Thank Him for what He's doing. He hadn't stopped, he'd just begun. Grant the desires and petitions of those who long to move on with you, Lord Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Go with God. He's going with you. See you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.